Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kibbe. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. I love the smell of Friday in the morning. You know what day it is. Friday, Brian Nichols Show time. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Guys, you are in store for a fun-filled episode. Yes, here on The Brian Nichols Show. As this week, I am joined by Joe Hauptman. Now, Joe is a spokesperson for the Joe Jorgensen campaign. Joe is running as a libertarian presidential candidate um, for the LP nomination to be the POTUS candidate going forward into the 2020 election. So, Joe is going to give us an intro into uh, who Joe uh, Joe Jorgensen is and also kind of discuss how we got to where we are in the Libertarian Party right now. And it's funny, a lot of the issues that the uh, Libertarian Party seems to be facing today, which is, you know, the uh, the ideological camps versus the uh, the person who's going to be out there to be the best messenger, um, that seems to be the exact same argument they were having back in 19, you know, 79, 80s, 90s, 2000s. What's that expression? Uh, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but man, it certainly rhymes. So, uh, guys, it's a great episode, but really quick, before we get started... Um, Another podcast that you guys should definitely listen. Actually, there's two. One, I had the great fortune of being the uh, the guest host for our dear friend Caleb Franz's show, The Liberty Podcast. Now, Caleb, he is out of pocket for the next couple weeks. So he, he reached out and he said, Brian, would you be interested in being my guest host for the show? And I said, absolutely. Um, so what I did was I did a re-air of the episode we had last week, which was uh, Elaine Joan, the Libertarian Redhead, uh, where we discussed Libertarian Party politics. Um, so that you can go ahead and find that over on Caleb's uh, channel right now, but then look forward to an episode next week um, where I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do. Well, well that's going to be an adventure for us to figure out how that's going to go next week. But Another podcast that I was on is a good friend of the show, also my my buddy Fritz. Um, now Fritz is over at Fritzcast, and uh, definitely a fantastic, phenomenal, absolutely just fantabulistically wonderful. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, great podcast and and great guy. And uh, you know he he invited me to be on his show. He just started doing some more guests on his show, so um, I was the second guest ever. Uh, yeah, I'll take that silver medal um, behind the great Todd Hagopian, who was the uh, the first one to uh, to get the interview there. But you know what? It was a blast um, talking a lot about uh, impeachment, um, libertarian politics, of course, um, and and how we can you know make some actual substantive changes in uh, in you know changing the world to be a better libertarian, more pro liberty place. So uh, guys, go ahead and check out those podcasts, Fritzcast and Liberty. Great episodes, uh, great shows, and definitely give them a subscribe and tell them uh, tell them Brian Nichols sent you. So without further ado, guys, onto the show. Joe Houtman here on the Brian Nichols Show. 
Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. For sure, Joe. Well, you're here for a very important uh, important mission today, and that is as a representative of a, uh, a newly declared libertarian presidential candidate. But before we get there, Joe, uh, now, if, if po- folks who listen to The Brian Nichols Show, I'm sure listen to the Greater We Are Libertarians Network, so I'm sure they've seen your name or they maybe have heard you on a program every now and then, but for the, the audience that maybe is not familiar with who you are, Joe, let's kind of start out. Who are you, and uh, what brought you into this uh, this thing we call the Liberty Movement? Well, it's sort of, I've been around uh, pretty much uh, since 1979, 1980. Uh, I wrote my first check to uh, Dick Randolph in Alaska in 75. And in 79, as a newly minted lawyer uh, in solo practice in Indiana, I called Ed Crane at the national office and said, uh, I want to help get... uh, uh, Ed Clark on the national uh, ballot here in Indiana, you know, who do I contact? And he said, well, funny you should ask. And I found myself basically the Indiana coordinator for Ed Clark. <laughs> and I said, well, I need some help from the party. Who's the chair? And he goes, funny you should ask. Surprise. Um, so, no, the, the party did exist. Uh, it, actually, I was the third chair. The first chair was an anarcho-communist. Um, and when I took over, I got the treasury in a shoebox and had to quench uh, the uh, bench warrants against the treasurer who did not believe in filling out government forms as a matter of principle. Um, and that's where we got started. And I've been pretty much taking out, as most libertarians who are in it for the long haul do, a few years here and there to, you know, have kids, make some money. Uh, I've been active pretty much since 79 up through the last election cycle where I ran for national vice chair. I uh, didn't win, but libertarians are used to that. <laughs> it's kind of our, uh, our, our modus operandi, also, it seems. Uh, ran the secretary uh, state race. What? Uh, I was going to say, not winning elections kind of seems to be the uh, unfortunate uh, libertarian modus operandi. Uh, but at the very least, it, the, the the defeats did not keep you from uh, from being a part of the greater libertarian movement. So obviously, Joe, the reason I wanted to have you on the show today was to discuss your latest venture, and that is joining on uh, the, the Joe Jorgensen campaign. Now, Joe, as a libertarian in libertarian circles, especially um, for those who are more party uh, folks, Joe is no stranger. So let's kind of start off here. To the people who have not heard of who Joe Jorgensen is, uh, Dr. Joe Jorgensen is, uh, let's kind of start out explaining who she is and uh, why she is running for uh, for libertarian the libertarian nomination to be president of the United States. All right. Joe's uh, a longtime libertarian. She cast her first vote for uh, Ed Clark. She ran as a congressional candidate in, I believe it was 92, and then in uh, 96, uh, I helped her get the vice presidential nominee nomination when uh, Gary, uh, oh boy, sorry about that, Terry Brown was our candidate. So she has been a libertarian. She's taken time out to marry, get three degrees, uh, become a, I'm a senior lecturer in psychology at uh, Clemson University. Um, and she got back involved, quite frankly, like libertarians. She was a little worried that our national spokes, spokesmen recently had a lot of 
libertarians who have spent most of their political life in one of the two uh, legacy parties. And she felt it was time again to have someone whose credentials were just solid LP. <laughs> it, it's funny when you, you start to explain kind of her interests in running for office as a libertarian, because it sounds like, and, and I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, it's, it's that a lot of the, the problems that libertarians within the libertarian party have had seem to be problems that have existed pretty much for the entirety of the party. Is that fair to say? I would say most of the problems started um, at the 83 convention when the party basically split apart and the losing faction went on to become the Cato Institute. Um, and we ended up nominating David Berglund. I was at that convention to be our presidential nominee by beating none of the above by one vote. Since then, the battle has pretty much been uh, between what were I think wrongly labeled as the purists and the pragmatists. Uh, I think it's wrong because unless you're talking anarchist versus minarchist, we really don't disagree on where we want to go. We just disagree on how to get there. Mm -hmm. Well, we're, I mean, we're, we're seeing that right now, right? I mean, obviously you, you have basically, it sounds like the, the 83 kind of mentality that we're having with 2020. And that seems to be more of like the, the establishment, air quotes, establishment types, like the Sarwarks of the world. Uh, world, And then you have more of the, the Mises uh, folks, like the, the Tom Woods and the Dave Smiths and the Josh Smiths of the world. So it seems like kind of that 83 mentality has not really left the Libertarian Party because it really comes down to um, you know, this, this continual argument of, of principled uh, Libertarian beliefs versus pragmatism. Um, and it doesn't seem that there really has been too much of a uh, change. It's just maybe the, the, the labels have changed themselves, but at the, the very fundamental root of the issue, it still comes down to, well, are you a real libertarian or are you going to try to actually win elections? And that doesn't seem to really have had any success in terms of you know finding what the actual answer to that question is. Well, I would argue, I do understand that because I've lived most of my life with that paradigm. But I would argue Joe is an example of why it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, she is a real libertarian. Now, I don't even take that term. I consider myself a classical liberal because I don't like arguing whether or not I qualify as a real libertarian to people who weren't even born when I was first the uh, <laughs> state chair. Um, so if they want to say I'm not a liber real libertarian, I say fine, whatever. Um, been there, done that, already gave away the T-shirt. And uh, I think it's more a case you, of just deciding whether our job is to try to elect people or to try to educate people. And what people that are called the purists want to basically educate. What's different this type of time around is I think we have some people, because of Donald Trump winning, uh, misunderstood the message. And we have a faction of what I would call political theater libertarians who basically think the system is so screwed up you know the best thing is to do just is to just do political theater make fun of it and um although it's a type of education it's a type of education that is really geared to the very young i'd say the 20 and under um i admit i'm a boomer boomers got a boom and uh, it does not appeal to me at all Although, quite honestly, um, at the last debate in Atlanta, 
all of the candidates, even the ones where I totally disagree with their strategy, such as Vermin, um, did an excellent job of conveying what it was they were trying to do. Well, Vermin has kind of become, it's funny, like looking at what Vermin does, and and actually last episode I had Elaine Joan on my show, and uh, we were kind of discussing more just high level, you know, libertarian party, just messaging, branding, PR, and actually what's the goal of the LP. Um, But looking at somebody like Vermin, I mean, yes, he's playing a character, and he's playing it in an ironic, you know, kind of sense, but he's... He's doing it in a way that he's trying to make the the arguments more relatable, but also more silly. So then you can actually see how twisted a lot of the arguments that are, are promoted by not just the left, but also those on the right. How, you know, when you really think about them, and obviously his 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 main shtick is, is ponies, ponies for everybody. Um, but, you know, with with him going that, that caricature route of, you know, it just kind of bringing things to their absolute kind of extreme, but almost in a comedic sense... I think you know, he is definitely reaching out to more people that he otherwise wouldn't have been. But you know, it's funny. I remember back in in 2012, I, I was in college and I had you know one of my good friends who you know was talking about Vermin Supreme, the guy with his boot in his head. And it wasn't a matter of you know what's he actually saying. It's oh, it's the guy with the boot in his head, and he's running with this you know this LP behind his name. You know what's that? And it, I know for myself, coming more from at the time more neo neo conservative, you know Republican brand of politics, I was turned off a little bit. I was like, why would I want to be included in a group of people who don't take themselves seriously? And one of my longest expressions for the my show has been the Libertarian Party will not be taken seriously until they take themselves seriously. So, I mean, even today, I'm seeing a lot of that kind of mentality still continue. And I would dare say that I've been one of the louder voices trying to, to professionalize the party, not to to dilute the messaging or anything like that, but to reach a wider and, and you know, more open and accepting audience. So, you know, kind of going back towards Joe, who who is running now for the the nominee to be the, the candidate for the Libertarian Party for president. What do you think? Uh, you know, this Joe, Joe Hopman. What do you think is kind of Joe's uh, her, her credentials, if you will, in terms of reaching out beyond the traditional libertarian, you know, the, the libertarian echo chambers that we kind of seem to get stuck in on a day to day basis. Well, I'd say the main thing is that her issues are geared more towards the general population than just the easy issues for libertarians in the sense that she wants to focus on libertarian, uh, I won't even say solutions, improvements to the medical system because medical costs are far more important to most people than uh, abolishing the Fed or um, even the deficit. I would say her emphasis will be on uh, medical costs, will be on anti-war, will be, it will be on the deficit, but it's on practical approaches. When Ed Clark ran in 1980, they asked, one of the uh, news broadcasters asked him, are you going to abolish welfare? And Ed Clark laughed. He said, yeah, and then spend the next two weeks sweeping up what's left. Oh, you, you, Joe, you the cut out there the last, you, you, you cut out there the last part of Ed Clark's, uh, what he said. I'm sorry. Okay. Ed Clark uh, said, uh, sure, and then we'll spend the next two weeks sweeping up what's left of our cities. <laughs> uh, he was well aware that to get from here to there, you have to pass through the middle. 
I always felt that the difference, and Joe agrees with me, is not the direction we want to go. The difference is we don't believe in what I've always called Star Trek libertarianism, which is the idea that we can get from here to there by beaming. There's a lot of real messy steps that have to be taken on the way there, and revolutions are very messy. I'm an evolutionist. I don't want to see the system absolutely destroyed. I want to see it dismantled. There's a difference between destruction and dismantling. And yep. mainly it has to do with collateral damage. Yep. Well, I mean, we're most we're even, libertarians. As I said, we're even seeing some, a lot of libertarians out there, right? Who, who are arguing, a lot of these libertarians who are arguing that the, the collapsitarian approach, um, which is like saying, you know, Hey, we're, we're going down this, this, you know, absolutely insane hill right now of just death and destruction because we're, we're living beyond our means, but you know what? Screw it. Let's just put the, the pedal to the metal. We're going to go straight off the cliff. And then, you know, once we hit rock bottom, then we can start from fresh. What you're saying, and I, and I completely agree with you is that that's, that's not only a, a terrible way to approach, but it's going to lead to a lot of death, destruction, mayhem, tragedy, sadness, and difficulty that a, a lot of Americans aren't going to be able to really deal with because the, the way that we have these, you know, these structures in place right now that kind of are holding this, this house of cards together, you know, they're, they're kind of relying on it. We need to show as libertarians the, the value of what we're doing to help them and say, listen, I, I understand you, maybe you're receiving your welfare right now from the federal government, but look at, look, let's look at the alternatives out there. Let the, you know, maybe you can go towards like a, a route of charity. And you can see that there is a direct correlation between you having a better life with accessing the forms of charity versus receiving continual government handouts. Now, is that going to be a sexy argument to, to give to somebody? No. It's, is it going to change everybody's minds? No. But at the very least, now we're having a conversation showing that middle step to, to show how we get from point A to point C. Instead, it seems a lot of libertarians just going, you know, we got to go from A to C, forget step B, whatever happens, happens. And I think that's going to hurt us more than it's actually going to help us. And that's why, you know, despite having on my show and stuff, people like, you know, Adam Kokesh, I, I think that approach of saying we're going to go to the federal government and on day one of the Kokesh presidency is signing federal, you know, orders dismantling the government, that would just destroy not only the, the you know, what, what, what little order we have left in our country, but it would really hurt the libertarian branding because then they could say, look it, we tried your libertarian idea and it didn't work. Look how bad things got. And it would put us, you know, completely to the, the, the back page of history because at that point, people would completely reject our ideas and wouldn't even want to entertain them because of how things uh, got so badly so quickly. I would agree. Uh, part of it is my own family uh, background. Um, my name's Hauptmann, uh, which is German. My grandfather came over in 1928 between the wars. And the story is... So we basically became, uh, sold the house in Germany, found what relatives we knew in America, and came over. Um, and the problem with what most people don't understand is when, when you take that collapsitarian approach, historically, liberty is not the one who wins when things collapse. Um, Germany at the time, my grandfather talks about, you know, inflation rate where they got paid every day met their wives at the fence at noon, shoved the wads of Deutschmarks through the fence 
so their wives could go shopping because if they waited till the next day, prices had gone up 10%. Um, yeah, you can survive it, but that's not the position where people are going to be really in the mood to hear, you can do it on your own. Right. Um, that's where they turn to the man on the white horse. I hate to say it. That's what Trump is. Yeah, no, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head like because Trump. we saw we saw uh, how many people out there. Route. As I said, we saw so many people out there, Joe, who with Trump running back in 2016, he was the savior. He was going to save the manufacturing jobs. He was going to listen to the quote unquote deplorables. He is he is 100 percent the either the white man the, uh, the white man the uh, the man on the white horse um though who happens to be a white man um but also it's actually funny because Glenn Beck for you know for people who can't stand Glenn Beck I don't care um but Glenn Beck hit the nail on the head with what he called the Bubba effect. And that was, listen, folks, you're going to be supporting these people who pretend to be all prim and proper, hoity-toity, and things are going to get progressively worse and worse and worse. And they're going to say, fine, screw it. You know what? We're going to we're gonna go for the guy who's the complete opposite of everything that you pretend to be. He's going to be a big, fat, smelly, gross guy with stains all over his shirt. And you know what? We're going to cast our ballot for him because at least when he says that he's a gross dude and he's going to tell you like it is, he's being honest with you. Now, we can argue with people whether or not Trump's being honest, but at least it's that perception of just being genuine and real versus, you know, saying one thing and then behind the scenes that, you know, the, the basket of the deplorables kind of approach, you know, that's what she's going right. to say out loud. What's she actually saying behind the scenes when she's paying or she's getting paid millions of dollars to do these these speeches at, you know, Deutsche Bank and such. And that's, I think, what people were starving for. And and then just 2016, it was the perfect storm. Ta-da, we have Trump 2020 20, uh, to through 2020 and possibly through 2024. Yes. And it's another thing where we're different from the some of the other candidates. I don't plan to spend any time putting down anyone else's campaign. And that's the, we realize that there's going to be a lot of passion in this next election, and it's not going to be about us. It's going to be, are you a Trumpkin or are you an anti-Trumpkin? Mm-hmm. And if you're anti-Trump, can you tolerate who the Democrats put up? And my feeling is there's going to be a large number of people who do not want Trump and are not going to be happy with the choice. That's the market we're going for. We're not going for trying to turn the country libertarian in one election. I was going to say, so that kind of leads me to ask you about Joe. So looking at kind of Joe's perspective in terms of you know, winning elections, right? Is it that she wants to win the election or is it that she wants to win more people to our positions and maybe open the the door to liberty for more people so we're actually reaching more hearts and minds and hopefully changing more people's beliefs? If when enough people think the way we do, a libertarian will win. If it happens this election, Joe will win. I don't mean to be negative, but I'm not planning to sell my house to move to Washington at this point. <laughs> what Joe is doing is running as what I have always called the traditional standard bearer. And in history, the standard bearer was the person who stood there unarmed with either the flag or the totem and basically said, hey, those who are like us, this is where we are ra- rallying. That is her job. And that is what she is going to do. How many we can get to rally 
will be a me measure of our success. We would like to beat Gary Johnson's vote total. However, our goal is to beat Harry Brown's Gary Johnson in the last election brought in 7,500 new libertarian members, members of the LP. In 1996, with a much smaller base, Harry Brown brought in 8,500 members. That is the most new people ever brought in to the Libertarian Party. Now, I'm counting on the Libertarian Party to make good use of them when we bring them in, because there will be winners libertarian winners in 2020. In fact, I said in uh, Tennessee, I truly believe that the libert a libertarian president will be elected in 2020, but he or she will be elected to a city council. So would you, is it fair to say, Joe, that you're looking at the, the field of candidates out there beyond Joe, obviously, right? Yeah. And just, there was nobody that was really, you know, just giving you the kind of that, that warm and fuzzy feeling like, yes, this person could be the candidate. Is that kind of the feeling you got? Or, or is there just something about Joe that you said, you know what, I'm, I'm all in regardless of these candidates out there, love them, hate them, whatever it may be. Joe has to be the person because she has the experience. She has the, you know, the, the vision. What was it kind of that, that led you towards where you are today working for Joe? Well, like I said, for one thing, I worked with her back in 96, so I've got a personal connection there. The other thing is the party has become more educational or theater or uh, political theater oriented, theater oriented, political theater oriented than I'm comfortable with. I don't think it's productive. It may be in terms of 40 years from now, it will produce more libertarians. I'm not sure in 40 years at the rate we're going, it's going to make any difference if that's when we start having our growth period. Um, I think she's the right candidate for this type of race. She's split. She is experienced. She is 100% in support of the platform. She has never run as anything but a libertarian. She knows the philosophy in and out. In many ways, personally, she's more radical than I am. Um, I'm basically purely a directional libertarian. I don't know what libertopia is going to look like. I believe anyone who... Um, wants to head towards liberty, liberty as a, is at the very least a, a ally um, in terms of issues, an issue ally. On the other hand, we there are, based on, based on the studies, probably about 40 million libertarians out there. By the broad definition, we need to find them. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done sales, but we should be going for the low-hanging fruit. Okay, and instead we are the fox from the Greek uh, fables, the fox trying to grab the grapes, which are out of his reach. 
Uh, I don't see any point spending a lot of time trying to convert a socialist. I don't see a lot of time trying to convert a true believer in Trump. I think the problem we need to find our own, first find them, and then we have to convince them that we can do anything. Because I don't believe the problem is the libertarian message. I believe the problem is people look at us and say, you can't deliver. I would say it's that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's that, but also that people really haven't taken ourselves, or I'm sorry, people haven't taken us seriously. And it goes back to my original point because it seems that a lot of the times the libertarians get the chance to to make a, a, a you know a stand and, and really make a name for themselves. We we end up falling flat in our face, be that you know unintentional or you know manipulated by the media. I mean, obviously Gary's whole <clears throat> where is Aleppo thing that was obviously more tailored towards you know the the media trying to to get a uh, you know oh we got him he didn't know where Aleppo was. But then you know Gary didn't help himself when he described you know what's what is it to be a libertarian, uh, socially liberal and fiscally conservative or, or when he you know stuck his tongue out and he you know he was trying to, to make a joke with the the you know the news reporter but you know that kind of imaging and marketing did he doesn't really sell to an audience that is interested in hearing alternatives they want to be able to say I'm going to cast my vote for this person and I feel comfortable not only in the the, the principles and you know the the messaging but I'm comfortable with the candidate and and it sounds and, and correct me if I'm wrong here Joe that. Based on kind of your experience being in libertarian party politics since pretty much the 1970s through now, you know, 40 plus years, that Joe up to you comes across as that person who can both, you know, represent the ideas, but also be someone who is a more serious candidate that people could, you know, trust in voting for, that she's not going to be, you know, an embarrassment. She's not going to make them regret their vote. And that they can, at the very least, at the end of the day, say, hey, you know, we may have not won, but I voted for somebody who was principled, who was able to articulate the message, brought people into the movement and and made long lasting libertarians like you mentioned, Harry Brown or heck, even and folks like Ron Paul more recently as, you know, as 2008 and 2012. Is that kind of the way you're looking at someone like a, like Joe Jorgensen? Yes. Uh, Joe is building the party for the future. You know, we are laying the ground. When I ran for uh, national vice chair and came in second, during the debate, I said, what it boils down to is for 40 years, we have said it is all or nothing. And we've got exactly what we asked for, nothing. Our need is to grow. We are just too damn small. And that is what we are focusing on. To basically get the number, get the people, the manpower, the resources, so that in 2022, the candidates will have more, uh, resources to win more low-level uh, elections. The down-ticket people will begin building their resumes. Not that that matters to a libertarian of today, but it matters to the general voting population. Mm-hmm. Yep. And eventually, we do that for a couple of cycles. We're going to become large enough that we can make a competitive race for the presidency. 
hey, you know what? That at the very least, it's a stepping stone towards the right direction. So, uh, so Joe, obviously, I need to to work with somebody who works for Miss Jorgensen's campaign to see if I can get her on the show. But in the meantime, I guess having you on the show is is the next best thing. So, how about this, Joe? Let's uh, let's end today. Where can folks go ahead and find more information about uh, George Jorgensen if they want to either uh, get involved with her campaign, support her campaign financially, or help spread the good word of what she's doing out there? So you can do all, you can do all of that at our website, joj2020.com. Uh, joj2020.com. I will be sure to include that link in the show notes. And folks, if you're interested in learning more about uh, Dr. Joe Jorgensen's candidacy for the 2020 Libertarian presidential nomination, uh, J, uh, it's joj2020.com. Um, but with that, Joe Houtman, thank you so much for joining The Brian Nichols Show. It has been a blast. It's been great to learn more about the party's history, but also why you think that uh, Dr. Joe Jorgensen is the right candidate uh, for the LP going into the uh, November election. Uh, so with that, Joe, thank you so much for joining the show, and we're looking forward to, uh, fingers crossed, having Ms. Jorgensen on the show in the near future. I will guarantee that uh, she will be here if you want her, and if for any time you need uh, me or anyone else on the campaign, you just give us a call. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap up my conversation with Joe Houtman. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, definitely what we're going to be doing is getting uh, Joe Jorgensen on the show in the very near future to uh, to have her discuss her candidacy and and hopefully um, show you guys why she should be the candidate to be the, uh, the LP nominee for president of the United States. Uh, but hey, guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share with family and friends and also be sure to tag Liberta- the Libertarian Party uh, on uh, on social media, Twitter and on Facebook, LP National, um, and let them know that we are having some awesome candidates here on the Brian Nichols Show who are running uh, to be the next uh, candidate for the LP as their presidential candidate so they can hopefully, you know, get some more more folks directed our way and, uh, you know, we can reach out to more people and spread the message of liberty far and wide beyond the confines of our traditional audience here at the Brian Nichols Show. But I mean, I must say, and I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, you guys are easily the best audience out there in liberta- uh, libertarian podcast world. Um, so do me a favor. One, give us a follow over on social media at B Nichols Liberty, both on Twitter and on Facebook. That's number one. Number two, head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rate and review. Five stars would be fantastic. And number three, if you are a fan of what we're doing here, at the Brian Nichols Show, but also just in general, the We Are Libertarians Network, please consider uh, to, to be a Patreon supporter. Um, what we're doing right now is we're actually doing a complete rebrand of the show. And believe it or not, being a libertarian podcaster, it, it it's it's not it's not free. You you don't get everything for free. You actually have to pay for hosting, and, and there's there's so much behind the scenes that takes place. So what I would want to do is is if you guys could help me support Chris, help support the big channel, but also the other podcasts, a part of the network, uh, ranging from the big show We Are Libertarians, the Brian Nichols Show, Tad Talks. The Boss Hog of Liberty, Ginger Archie with Trisha Stewart. There are so many great shows over at the We Are Libertarians Network um, that, you know, honestly wouldn't exist without you guys. So if you enjoy what we're doing here, if you enjoy the value that we bring to the table, go to the Patreon, support the Patreon, or at the very least, support the the, the folks who sponsor the show. So good friend uh, Remzo Martinez in his book, um, How to Succeed in Politics and Other Former Devil, Devil Worship. You know, he's been a sponsor of the show. Go buy his book. You know, just just little things like that. It shows the value of what we're doing here at the Brian Nichols Show. And it shows me that you guys, again, are the best audience that's out there. Um, so guys, it's been a blast. Hopefully you enjoyed today's show. So be sure to uh, tune in next week. But otherwise, Brian Nichols signing off for Joe Houtman. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. 
Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.